Welcome back to the Growing Lean Podcast. This is your host, Ethan Halfide. I'm here with Mike Crandall, CEO of Digital Beachhead and Cybersecurity Specialist. Welcome to the pod. Hey, thank you, Ethan. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and what you do. So I am currently the CEO of Digital Beachhead. I'm retired Air Force, did 21 years doing cybersecurity. Thank you for uh, your service. No worries. Uh, went to work for a large company. Um, five, you know, after I retired doing government contracting for five years, because that's what we do. We don't know what we want to do when we grow up. And then that company got purchased. I was laid off. So I started uh, my dream company, Digital Beachhead, and uh, we support small to medium-sized businesses in their cybersecurity journey. Awesome. Wow. So you just answered my first question, which was the history and the background of your business. Uh, but tell me more, were there any challenges along the way of starting your own business? Absolutely. Uh, I was fortunate being a military retiree that uh, I knew I had my mortgage paid for. So I didn't have the stress of where would I live if the business didn't take off. Um, I like to joke that I went from, I got to go from ramen to actually having a filet, <laughs> you know, after uh, growing the business a bit. Yeah. Um, but that's fortunate. You know what I mean? A lot of people starting businesses don't have that uh, fortune. Uh, we started out in government contracts, again, retiree, it's what I knew. Um, and then about a year to two years after we started the company, I wanted to branch out into the small to mid-sized market because I saw it, they weren't really being represented in cybersecurity. Everybody's after the big fish they catch and uh, small to mid-sized are targets. And uh I didn't think they were being, you know, represented to have someone help them develop a cybersecurity strategy. Um, Walk so us through. That's awesome because what you just clarified is one, you're trying to democratize cybersecurity for all types of businesses, not just yes. the massive ones. And two, how did you kind of, you know, once you define your positioning, how do you craft your business strategy to service that position? Because now your offer has to be different, right? Right. And so we started off just doing the we can provide you cyber things, audits, helping you write policies, procedures, cyber awareness training. And as any business, you grow, you mold, you adapt, you overcome. Um, and we kind of developed that into the virtual CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, nice. uh, which is a fractional service. So instead of hiring someone full-time, which a lot of small to mid-sized businesses, of course, can't afford, we can do that for you fractionally. So we can help you and your IT team develop that cybersecurity strategy and for me, it's like joining your company's team. Mm. But instead of worrying about, will this CISO find a better job? Or is this person going to be around? You know, you have a full team behind you of our team versus a single person. I love it. That yeah. They take the knowledge with them when they leave. You really have adapted to the current market because, you know, I can speak for myself and I can speak for what seems to be the new flow of like freelancing. I started freelancing around COVID to pay for a startup that I was growing. And then as I formed this agency, software development, we now have a very fractional leadership team, a fractional chief sales officer, fractional CMO, fractional COO, fractional CFO. I see that now entrepreneurship in the digital age is going towards the fractional leadership style because that's a very big expense, right? And you may not need them constantly, but when you do need them, it's very crucial decisions that you can't make for yourself. So props to you for being proactive in how you structured your business. And exactly what you said, we saw the fractionality that we were buying for all these other services. Oh, and, true. Yeah. And, and so we were like, oh, well, 
why don't we do that? <laughs> right. And now, you know, we were talking about this a little offline. My next question is, how have you adapted to the changes in your industry over the years? And that's one way. But one major change, and I was I was genuinely curious about this. I know you answered it for me privately, but in greater extent, how has AI affected your industry? Uh, AI, uh, new buzzword, you know, all around. Um, it really affects what we would have considered a lower level a threat, a lower level hacker. We joke the person in the basement, you know, that typical stereotype. Right. Um, Mountain Dew, Doritos, and now AI, right? <laughs> and now AI. They can develop better tools. We used to call them kitty scripters because they would just download an app and run an app. You know, they didn't really sneak their way in. They weren't the clever, you know, they were very loud. But right. now they can build better tools because AI will help them build those better tools. Oh, wow. <laughs> An example is um, one AI, I won't mention the name, but they've put in toolkits where if you say, I want to build a toolkit to crack a password, it's like, no, that's not allowed. But if you say, I want to buy a toolkit to help me recover my password, Oh, toolkit, yeah, a little nuance. Yeah. It'll build it for you. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the dark side of AI, isn't it? Because we always talk about how it can automate workflows and make life easier, but it can automate some unethical workflows, can't it? <laughs> and with cybersecurity, that's exactly um, the conundrum we have. For every tool we can develop that'll help us strengthen our defenses can be used against the weaknesses that we've built it to test, right? It's a double-edged so, sword, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's, you know, Jedi. You got <laughs> the Sith and the Jedi, you know? Yeah. Who, which side do you want to be on? Yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, we're going to come back to that in a deeper sense in terms of, I don't know how much you can talk about in terms of contextual ways that you've saved people and, and whatnot. But for now, let's bring it back a little more high level and say, what specific tactics or tools have you used to help you grow your business? webinars, word of mouth, getting out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of making yourself known. Um, we all have toolkits. We all have our, you know, things that set us apart. Um, I've been doing it a long time, started doing it in the military before it was really even a thing. Um, but how do you sell that? You know, how do you, how do you quantify that? So a lot of it is just talking getting people aware. So going to conferences, um, I started avoiding cyber conferences because we were talking to each other. You know, it was all of us talking, you know, what yeah. toolkit do you have? What toolkit are you using? Which is valuable, but I wanted to start hitting small business conferences and being the cyber person there saying, hi, you guys are talking about sales and this kind of stuff. Let me tell you how to protect yourselves. Let me be the standout Smart. briefing at the conference. What kind of what specific kind of small businesses do you serve? Because that's such a big market. It could be like a mom and pop bakery or a shoe store. But who do you specifically help the most? They have to be uh, able to find in some capacity, right? In a large, yeah. They, they they really should have some sort of um, IT person or team, you know, so they have an IT strategy. They know what they're doing. But the IT department is busy keeping the printer going, the email flowing, the data. You know, they don't have that time to build your cybersecurity strategy. It's not that they don't know or unaware, but, you know, that's not their task. Their task is IT, keeping the bits flowing. Um, so we like to move into those. Uh, recently, we found manufacturing. They tend to have, even if they have small number of employees or a large number of employees, they're not their IT or their actual data 
is a smaller subset, you know, nice. depending on what they're making and how big their factories are. Um, space, we have a couple of um, space startups uh, in the U.S. One is building gas stations in outer space. What? I, I kid you not. That's um, awesome. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so they're a brand new, well, not brand new, they've been around a couple of years now, um, but they're really kicking into overdrive recently, uh, okay. federal contracts and those kind of things. But uh, satellites fall back to Earth. Um, people might not be aware, but the solar runs the electronics, but fuel actually keeps them in orbit. Satellites constantly being pulled back down to Earth, so we had to constantly keep them bumped up. Mm, okay. So these gentlemen came up with an idea. What if we refueled them? Oh, I, so, I, I picture like the plane when you see the jets kind of going similar, behind and fueling midair. Very, is kind of like the same thing. Very similar. So they're building their technology is all about the connector. Mm -hmm. So older satellites, of course, can't be refueled. They don't have the connector. But if they build that, to your it's point, newer. connector on to the new one and they build the technology, how do I get point A to point B and how do they connect? They can refuel and therefore a satellite can stay in orbit indefinitely versus having all that space junk or returning to Earth. That is genius. Wow. Yep. So how do you how do you help them? Well, being a government now that they're they've moved and started selling to the government, they have data that has to meet DOD standards. So they have to follow NIST 800-171, which is just a control set. Mm hmm. And so we are helping them build their policies, procedures, and uh, managing those control sets so that they can meet the government standards for the data they now have. Mm -hmm. It's funny, you can start a company and then the minute you want to sell it to the U.S. government, they're like, oh, by the way, this can't leave the U.S. You have to protect it to next level. And not only that, I, I remember as you were saying that isn't the U.S. government implementing like 13 new cybersecurity requirements or something like that? They are beginning to push all of that out. What's the going to be that impact on small companies trying to get in the government contracting? Uh, for a government contract, uh, they're pushing something called CMMC. Yep. And CMMC is basically that NIST 800-171. You oh, have okay. to implement those standards. So it's 110 controls. Wow. Um, and... If you're a small business and do not handle controlled unclassified information, CUI, then you only have to meet level one, which is 17 of those 110 controls have to be met with a goal to meeting 110, but you have to meet 17. If you do handle CUI, you have to meet 110. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. So if you work with the federal government, specifically the Department of Defense, um, and other departments now are slowly starting to lean towards this model to their contractors. So Department of State and others are, are saying, okay, sounds like a plan. Our contractors shall meet. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and when does that go in effect? Has it already gone in effect or is it within the next year? And the NIST 800-171 is in effect. All contracts say you have to work towards meeting it. But that's yep. kind of their key right now is you, there's a scoring system based on how many of the controls you've met. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't met a control, you do have to have a plan of action to meet those you haven't met, right, with a timeline. Nice. Um, CMMC, they're waiting for DOD to put out their rule sets, you know, kind of finalize it. They think 2025 is like the 
for sure drop dead, but they're hoping the rule sets will come out in 24, you know, and then it'll slowly work its way into the infrastructure, into the ecosystem. Good to know. That could be a, a booming time in your business. <laughs> We're, you know, I think uh, FTC just passed rules for small businesses. Uh, effectively, like car dealerships have to meet certain cybersecurity rules now. Really? So, yeah, the the each agency is and, and government uh, regulatory stuff, they're leaning yeah. and kind of coming towards cybersecurity less as a, hey, that would be good if you did that and more of a, you need to do this. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It, I was just speaking with my dad today. I tried to send him a TikTok, a golf video. We're both golf, right? And he's like, sorry, I can't watch it. I'm, I can't watch TikTok. I'm like, oh, no, you don't have to have the app to watch it. He said, no, I can't be involved with anything TikTok related because the federal government has blocked it. He works for the federal government. Yep. Um, and it, they're cracking down, you know, and rightfully so, because I, I guess the plethora of hacks going on my social media was just hacked not too long ago and made me understand the importance of cybersecurity, you know? So it, it, what you're doing right now, it, you know, for any small business going into the digital world, it, it needs to be an essential service that they hire. Absolutely. And and it's something that I think I relate it to the Ocean's Eleven films. Mm -hmm. You know, we see those hacks on TV, the big right. ones with multi-million dollars, but those took months of planning, intricacies to get it done, but we see them on the news. Right. But we don't hear on the news how many convenience stores were robbed last night. Oh. That's your normal day-to-day -day breaches and ransomwares. We don't see that thousands of people were hit last night with a ransomware attack. Right. Oh, it doesn't you know make what? the news. And, you know, my, my next question is coming up. But what you're talking about right now, just it's opening my eyes in a terrifying way, but in a good way, right? Because we have an expert in front of us. Um, you know, the tool LastPass. Uh, are you familiar with LastPass? I know LastPass very well. Yeah, we use it a lot. It made me feel very safe giving out our, our, our you know, passwords to key key um, like contractors and whatnot. Yep. LastPass was, was hacked a few times, <laughs> you know? So yep. What are your thoughts on that? Um, we also use LastPass. Yeah, um, it, the biggest problem I had with that breach was their lack of sharing. Because mm. really, it wasn't that they were breached multiple times. They were breached, and it was worse than they originally thought or they originally said. So it was a deeper breach. Um, and it it all boils down to um, we're going to be breached. It's if, not when. So whether you're like, oh, I have to change from LastPass and move to someone else, you know, they have taken actions to secure themselves as long as you change all your passwords. You know, it's kind of a pain, mm -hmm. but I don't think they're any less secure now than they were before because the problem, as it normally boils down to, was human error. Mm, absolutely. Wow. So, someone so, coding at home versus coding where they're supposed to code right. caused more vulnerabilities in the system. So, work from home strikes again, huh? Yes, so, it can. That, that brings me to my next question, and we're going to go into the weeds a little bit here. What kind of specific metrics and KPIs do you use to measure the success of your business, maybe operationally or service-based for your clients? Uh, I would love to say, you know, no hacks, we win, but that's not a reality. That's not always the case, right? Yeah, because you, you can put all the security mechanisms in place. But again, if an employee says, okay, I know what the policy is, but I'm going to code from home. That's a vulnerability you didn't plan. 
right? You know, and you can't protect against necessarily. So for us, our success is that our clients feel safer. They can get insurance. They know they're doing their due diligence. Um, they have the mechanisms in place to at least notice a breach sooner. Should it occur? If a breach happens, they have the mechanisms to respond, a good incident response plan. Um, for our company, uh, personally, it's seeing the growth in my employees and seeing them learn and grow, you know, because I've been doing it since dirt. So it's kind of one of those like, yeah, this is interesting. But to see the excitement, um, the biggest problem we have in cybersecurity is the lack of trained professionals. There's like 700,000 open cyber jobs in the U.S. right now. Wow. Is it so, an underserved market, you would say? Underserved and just um, getting the people into that kind of training. You know, everyone kind of feels like, oh, that's, you know, bridge too far. Uh, I teach at university for adult educators and we're having nurses and teachers and people changing their profession come over. And, you know, we need that. We also need to have more than the middle-aged white guy syndrome. We need mm. people of all ethnic Backwards. backgrounds and races and, you know, men, women, everybody. Love, uh, Love that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, it's to the point of AI. Um, as AI develops, if, if it's me and a bunch of me creating it, it's going to be me and a bunch of me spitting out information. If yeah. we have diversity of, you know, knowledge going in, you're going to have diversity of knowledge coming out. Uh, that was beautifully said. Yeah, that needs to be, a, you know, a podcast snippet right there. We'll make sure of that. I, I love what you just said. It's very ethical. You know, we talk about the hackers and everything like that, but there's something called the ethical hacker, right? And it's yes. about making sure that vulnerabilities aren't taken advantage of. Um, and I love that you brought that up. Can you discuss any partnerships or collaborations you've made along the way that have led to the success of your business? Uh, along the way, we bumped into uh, a large uh, MSP managed service provider mm -hmm. that was working out of New York City, and they were having a problem helping in implement cybersecurity for their clients. So their clients would say, hey, we want to be more secure. We're worried about cybersecurity. But the way an MSP is kind of situated is they have tiers. You know, you're paying for a bronze tier. So they would go out to their clients and say, hey, well, if you go to the gold tier from bronze, you know, we can implement these things for you. And their customers felt it was an upsell, you know, mm -hmm. because it's a tier. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they're like, hey, why don't we incorporate your VCSO through our services to our clients, to any client that wants to have a virtual CISO to help them build their cybersecurity framework. So not just going from bronze to gold, but they can have policies, procedures, awareness training, you know, the full oh, that stuff. suite without selling it to gold right away. Just us coming in, they can choose us. We come into and service their clients and their clients would go, man, I need to have two-factor authentication. I need, and when we told them, well, talk to the MSP, see what they can do. And the MSP would say, well, that's our gold tier. They weren't upsold. They were like, a necessity I, I at see point. Yeah, I right. see. we have this expert telling us what we did. We have policies now that are yeah. directing us to what we need to do to keep us secure. This is now meeting our policy. It isn't just a simple bronze to gold upsell. Right. So it actually helps simplify the, the let's say, the onboarding procedure or the client acquisition procedure for you, right? Because now the client felt more educated and informed and they felt like their needs were being more closely met rather than being upsold from bronze to gold, right? And, and it's win-win for us. We have these new clients because the MSP already has this plethora of clients they're serving that we are now available to. 
So, you know, direct communication as a, the MSP saying, this is our VCSO, would you like to use their services for, you know, X amount? And then the MSP wins because they are going from bronze to gold in their service, you know, platform. So they're making more every month. And then the end client wins because they know they haven't just been upsold. They have a strategic plan now for that cybersecurity that goes beyond bronze to gold. It includes everything. So well-rounded 360 plan. Absolutely. So, wow, that interesting. So very smart in the way you operate your business from not just how you provide the service and how you've positioned yourself, but also how you've strategic, strategically built relationships to kind of form that ecosystem that better serves that customer as well. I love it. So what I would say- Plenty of pie, Ethan. There's plenty of pie. You know, <laughs> we don't need to think it's all ours. Don't talk to people. To me, partnerships oh, are- 100%. And that's why I was going to say, as a small business owner yourself, that services small business owners, this is my last question. What is your greatest piece of advice? It doesn't have to be one thing. It can be as many things as you want. Uh, number one, have faith. Um, uh, military guy, I have a motto, who dares wins. It's from the British Special Air Service, SAS. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that motto, you know. So don't be afraid to take some risks. Um, we all fail. Failure is just a learning block to success. So take that failure, learn from it, and grow. And uh, if you have a team, treat your team with dignity, respect. You know, wins are theirs, defeats are yours. And yeah. just uh, press forward. I love it. I love it. You know, someone once told me, I wish more people knew how small the cost of failure actually was. You know, it was someone on this podcast and they said more people, if they understood how small the cost of failure is in terms of the things you learn, the relationships you build when you take these risks, more people would take these risks because there is really no cost of failure, is there? So I love that. So, Mike, tell the people, how can they stay in touch with you? How can they find information on you? Ah, thank you. Uh, we are on LinkedIn, Digital Beachhead. I'm on LinkedIn, Mike Crandall, but also www.digitalbeachhead.com is our website. So feel free to come on out. We have a blog. You can subscribe to our blog. We do something called a Cyber Byte, B-Y-T-E, nice. a small snippet of information we send out a couple of times a week just to uh, give people some cyber awareness. No cost. Just sign up for free. Love it. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Ethan.